1: World, what separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball it has a little secret sauce to it, man. (laughs) Never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in in, in high school.
0: Welcome to the Orange is the New Black podcast. I'm your host Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host Zim. Zim, say what's up?
1: Hello world, how's everyone doing this evening? Another week in the books. Another ill... (laughs) on my head (laughs) another l on all of our faces right now how are you holding up ace i haven't really had a chance our life has been getting really really busy i feel like so maybe i'm hopefully i'm hopeful that that means you're being productive or you're doing something better (laughs) but uh you know how are you holding up
0: i'm holding up good man i think it's similar to last season around this point as we were talking before the show like we're kind of in that same mode that we were in last season And essentially that is securing the best draft pick that we can as possible. Obviously the prospect now, last year it was a once in a generation or once in every 10 years type of quarterback. Now we're looking at and staring down a once in a generation left tackle. Uh, So for me, I mean, I think that is bittersweet. Obviously you don't want to take an L. Obviously we want to kind of get out of the losing culture. But at the end of the day, we have to look – And have that that 2020 vision we had last season and now we have the 2021 vision on and it's what can we do to make this team better? And I think that's what we have to do. And Stefan is right. Yeah, I was because I want Penny like there's nothing that you can say to me that would be like, let's win now so we can't get Penny. So for me, I'm definitely on the Penny train. And I don't think that that makes you less than a fan. I hate when people say this, and it's the same argument that we had last season. And it's the same people that were saying that they didn't want Burrow last year that are pretty much in love with him now. And that's what the situation that we're dealt with is. How can we make this team better going forward? And that's what I'm about. What happened today is exactly what I kind of expected and wanted, which was a competitive game. Uh, But we did lose it, and we did keep that number two draft pick, or number three, I'm sorry, draft pick. Uh, So for me, yeah, it sucked to see and have to watch a game without Joe Burrow. It wasn't exciting. Obviously, there was a lot of struggles. I think the most exciting part for me was watching Brandon Wilson uh, take the kickback for the touchdown. And also at the end there, seeing t Higgins score a touchdown. I think that that was cool. The other cool part for me and us personally, probably Zim probably caught this as well, was Khalid Kareem having an impromptu like kick return where they had a short kick to him and he had like a 15 yard return. Uh, So for me, that was that was good. And then, I mean, I can't come down from the high this week of uh, my man, Willie Anderson and our man, Willie Anderson, that we had on the show uh, making the semifinals for the Hall of Fame. I mean, for me, that just there's nothing that could really uh, take this take this high off of um, today. And obviously, I think you just don't want it to ruin your Sunday. And I think that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. What about you, Zim? i feel like you know you know the
1: crazy thing about it when you know that you're out of the playoffs and you know you're just assessing talent and stuff like that i find myself watching the game at peace i apologize to anyone that i didn't have my i usually do it with my live stream every week i had some technical difficulties so i didn't do it this week but what it did was give me a chance to like watch a game without myself talking looking at one-on-one matchups different things like that so even coming into the to the season, my overall success, uh, you know, rate that I that I would have rated this team wasn't predicated on wins versus losses. It's just like, are they getting better? Uh, is there anything that they do better than anybody else? Uh, who's the guys that we're gonna keep long term? How close are we to winning? How close are we to getting to the playoffs? So, I really, really got a chance to look at this game from that aspect and just got fully out of. You know, Burrow. You know what I'm saying? Like when, when Burrow was there, it was just always hope of something. You know, like even if we were out of the the playoff hunt, I think like just watching Burrow flourish was a game in itself. Like I, I you know what I'm saying? Like you could you could look at every aspect of a game, but you going you would stare down Burrow, Burrow every single throw. Um, so to watch a game like that and just assess talent was really really cool. I think watching other games was really cool. Uh, It's the same thing I I tweeted. Excuse me. I tweeted something very similar to this, but I just said uh, Zach Taylor is Dalton 2.0. And I don't mean that in the sense of uh, Dalton got us to the playoffs five times straight. It's just I've been saying it over and over again, and I'm starting to get on that broken record stuff that we was doing last year. But it's just that's not the guy that's going to ever get a Super Bowl. I, I, I think 10 years from now. If in, a, in the most crazy scenario you can think of, I can't think of any scenario that that guy would win a Super Bowl. And I always felt like that about Dalton. You might have some really, really good games. Zach Taylor has some uh, really good game against the Titans. Like he's called some really good stuff. Like you say, he called some fire. I think that was in that Browns game, the, the second Browns game. But um, one of those games. But. He's going to have good things that you're going to see and you'll be like, oh, that's cool. But he never puts the players in his position like that when I watch Kansas City play just now or when I do watch the Steelers play on defense and stuff. He's never going to be the coach that's going to take the extra details to make sure that players like Von Bell are always at their strong points stepping up and run defense or always maximizing their their full potential like a king davis gaither in coverage or 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 a king davis gaither on the blitz or whatever like he's never going to maximize what makes players above and beyond what they are just on paper or what they are coming out of college and you see that week in week out because the games are so close and the really really good coaches find a way to win some of those games uh, really, really good coaches find a way to steal games that you have no business winning. He doesn't do any of those. So if you know that now I don't need Joe Burrow to come back to say, oh, let me see what he could do with that. If he can't elevate anybody right now, you know what I'm saying? What are we waiting for? And that's what I find myself looking at. But I did like some of the things I saw from Logan Wilson and Pursuit today. Uh, Sam Hubbard looked really good other than the fact one that and a room will drops from back and coverage. There were so many different things I got a chance to like actually take a look at. The special teams was really really good. So with that being said, uh, if Zach Taylor was to be let go of his duties or whatever, to me, Darren Simmons is so perfect for interim coach. He's got the longest tenure on his staff. He's really really good at his at his at his job. He's he's crazily crazy crazy, crazy revered around the league as a top notch coach. So that give him a shot the same way Raheem Morris got a shot in Atlanta would be really, really cool to see, like, what does he do? Does he take the last six and, you know, you know go three and three? You know, like, can you build off of that? Can you do, you know, like, he might do some things that maybe we weren't thinking. Um, I was very upset at the Alex Erickson in the round. I was very upset at, like, a, a couple different things that they do to go out of their way to make plays for players that don't do it very well. You know, we see that a lot every, every week. When you watch a Chiefs game, it's not that. It's Tyreek Hill is faster than everybody. And if it's on a one-on-one matchup, I'm going to drop every single play I got to make sure that you pay for it to the point where I'm going to give them 15 targets and there's nothing you could do about it. You know, like that's coaching. And uh, Zach Taylor is never going to be that. So I, I I've been breaking that news to everybody the whole time, but. That's just what I walked out of that game saying. It's like It feels so much like the Chargers game. It feels so much like kind of like the Eagles game. Um, A lot of these different games, and he just doesn't know how to win. And to your point about uh, Penny, I do want Penny, right? But one thing that I really, really do want to see the guys play, since a lot of these guys are going to be on the team next year, is I want them to feel like, their winners or know how to win so that they're not shocked by next year when we're in these close games again, it's an art to winning, you know, and I do, I don't like the fact that they just lost so much. So now that creep, that little creep of doubt is going to be in the back of their heads next year. If you know, games real, real tight. So they got to get in the habit of winning how this thing plays out in the playoffs. Like, you know, I, I don't think that you're a, a, to be a fan, I said this last year. To be a fan is to cheer how you want to cheer. No one could tell anybody how to be a fan. That's what makes you a fan, you know. So like everybody has their own methods. I I don't see a problem with somebody saying that they want to lose. I don't have a problem with somebody like myself that's saying that they want to win because the myth, the psychology behind it, they just got to win. And I think if they won and then they uh, traded out of the pick and they don't even have Penny, I think they can make something happen that way. Or maybe they go to free agency. You don't know how it's really going to shake up. Penny might get injured right before – you know, you don't know. So those are the different things that I would just caution people on losing because they, at some point they got to win, right?
0: Yeah, you know, I think um, one thing that you said is to to win in the NFL, you need the quarterback – You need to protect them and you got to have at least a decent coach that's going to be able to command guys and and play chess in a sense with other coaches around the league. Right. And in order to do that, we have to see how this plays out. I think that this was supposed to be an evaluation. It came out and said that before Joe Burrow got hurt, this was going to be an evaluation of him and his coaching staff for the next four games to see where they should go. Uh, Obviously, with Burrow going down, it's kind of hard to make that evaluation To me, honestly, I think all that showed today was that, like you have said before, and I I don't think that you've ever thought that uh, Zach was ever, and if anyone's listening, Zim has never thought that Zach was this amazing coach, that he's just amazing or anything. He thought that Joe Burrow could kind of hide his incompetence and, and some of his deficiencies per se. And I think today you saw that. I think today you saw that without Joe Burrow, uh, he's not really that great of a coach, and this offense just wasn't really great. And these were guys that he handpicked to play. I heard people complaining about the quarterbacks that her that were essentially our backups. He picked them, so for that to see it roll out how it did, you know, it just was kind of disappointing. I was actually kind of looking forward to Brandon Allen playing. Um, to see what he could bring to the table. I think people were wrong to say, hey, we should throw Ryan Finley back in there. I think we saw what Ryan Finley, <laughs> we've already seen what Ryan Finley can do. Um, I don't think it's much better than that. The only thing that I was worried about and that has worried me is, like Zim said, what is the plan? I have a plan. People on Twitter have a plan. Other fans have a plan. I don't think the Bengals have a plan. And it doesn't matter if I have a plan. It doesn't matter who has a plan. If the Bengals don't have a plan, that is a issue uh, because now we are in the territory where certain teams are giving up on players, front office people. Uh, We just saw Detroit after they lost on Thanksgiving, they cleaned house. They said, Matt Patricia, you're out of here. They said their GM is out of here. They were the first. So they already have, in a sense, a lead on other teams that may be considering moving on from their head coach, right? Then today, The Jacksonville Jaguars, and what's crazy about this game, I was watching this game because people informed me in the chat, hey, if Jacksonville beats Cleveland, that may give us a better chance of getting up to number two. So we still wouldn't have been number two, but it would have been like if they went one more time, we could potentially have a number two pick. So I'm watching that game. The game was competitive. At one point, the Jaguars were winning the game. And like even after that, even after the Jaguars lost at the last second, you know what they did? Shahid Khan, Said their GM, you are out of here. There's been people calling for that man's head for like years. So, you know, I'm familiar with UCF Jaguar on YouTube. Some of my friends that has been talking about the GM hasn't gotten uh, moved on yet. They still want Doug Marone gone, but they completely whacked their GM. So that's two teams. That if they do plan on looking for a GM, obviously the Bengals don't have a GM. If that were to happen to us, it would be Duke Tobin. I don't see that happening. I think it should, but I don't see it happening. But if that is, potentially, you're behind the eight ball, not only at one position, if you want to move on from the GM or if you want to get a personnel guy, you're also behind in the head coaching race because these guys are moving on. They understand that they've seen enough about Matt Patricia. Now, Matt Patricia, I believe, may have been there a little bit longer than Zach Taylor. So maybe I think he's been there a season longer, but they gotten rid of him. And another thing, like I talked uh, with my guy Quincy, who's a Browns fan, AFC North side, he has told me like the Bengals, the reason why they want fires Zach like Taylor, and I have to agree with them, is that they don't want to be the Browns. They don't want to be viewed as a team that's dysfunctional, that's cutting a cutting a GM and a coach from year to year and swapping in and out. But essentially, by them not doing that, they are becoming the Browns. They technically are the Browns right now. They're at a point where if they don't move anything, and the Browns did do this, they did this with Hugh, even though Hugh's our guy. I don't think that that would have happened here, so don't get it twisted that way. They kind of held off on that, and they kind of bit them. And so when it happened last season with the coach that they had last year, they were like, oh, nah, bro, Like we've seen enough. We're getting on. We're getting away from him. And they got the new coach, and now they're doing better but I have to agree with them. If the Bengals don't do anything, they're so worried about being viewed as the Browns that they're becoming the Browns, but you have to do what the Browns did in terms of cutting the cord with certain people in order to get there. There were moves that they made that Quincy didn't agree with. They cut the dude that came in from the Chiefs. I thought that that was a bad move. They got rid of that GM. I was like, oh, that wasn't wasn't smart. And look at where they're at now. They're eight and three. They're doing their thing. And so for the Bengals, It depends on what they do, but they have to have a plan. Like Zim said, I can talk about what my plan is. They're not going to listen to me. I'm a fan. Like, I I can sit up on YouTube and tell them a million things. Mike Brown probably doesn't even view this video. He might. I don't know. Doesn't mean that he's going to listen to me. So they have to have a plan. And whatever that plan is, they need to put it into motion. Because obviously, last time when they made this move, moving on from Marvin, they waited very long. And it kind of went and kind of bit them. It kind of put Zach behind the eight ball, put them behind the eight ball. Um, and this isn't a team that moves abruptly, so that's the only thing that concerns me.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I guess um, I really don't have the answers for like, yeah, I, I could understand because Mike Brown really despises the Cleveland Browns, and I'm all for being patient. Uh, if the potential is there. And early on, I feel like the potential is there. It's just, it's just a, like Zach would – I think Zach, as a coordinator or some – some even if it was a quarterback's coach, I think it mm-hmm. probably would work out. But you can't – you know, you can't demote a guy from head coach. like So that's right. why you just got to cut ties with him. Now, to me, if you go into the offseason, you run the risk of doing the same thing you did before trying to go get a guy and, and you were late, Uh, you know, you, you were just super late on everything when you got Zach. I just don't want them to be in a situation like that. And it's just hard to marry up. Like um, no matter we talk about all these head coaches and stuff that we like, it's hard to marry somebody to Mike Brown that we like because everybody that we like is a strong-minded individual. And when I think about why – uh, and, and not to say that Zach is not a strong-minded individual – aggressive with their thought process aggressive with their philosophies and different things like that where Zach Taylor came into the position very grateful for the opportunity see the difference you know like Jim Harbaugh is going to say these these are the things that I need to happen Joe Brady is going to say this is who I need I don't know you know and our front office is not trying to give up any type of leverage or any type of percentages or anything like that you know to to a coach. That's just not the way they do business. So we're just stuck at a really, really tough spot when you really think about it. Um,
0: shout out wow. to my man Malik Wright. He said that that's not true. They listen to you and Zim's interviews with players and etc. I was told that this morning. That's what's up.
1: I'm pretty sure. I mean, shout out to Dan Horst. Shout out to Paul Dana. Oh, yeah. Shout out to whoever. We got a special guest on Wednesday. Shout out to that person as well. But there are writers. There are different people that definitely for a fact text me tweet me dm me and stuff like that do watch the stuff and for me it's more about like when i started doing this thing it's all about the energy and stuff so if i'm constantly just coming on here bashing 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 you know like
0: honestly honestly what does
1: that do for anybody like
0: right you know and honestly it's not something personal like i don't dislike zach taylor it always comes back to the same andy dalton thing it's not that i dislike these individuals you can go back a year ago This time, I was saying, give Zach another year, right? Yeah, yeah. We both. We we were saying, give Zach another year. Matter of fact, in the offseason, we both were kind of like, ah, let's see, you know, like, I think we was all right. We felt like he needed to get his own quarterback, which was Joe Burrow. We we felt like he needed to get some of his own players and stuff like that. And to me, honestly, if it wasn't for some of the things that I had heard, which are similar to other reporters that they're putting out there, I wouldn't be so off on – you know, moving on from this coaching staff. But but to see the kind of things that have taken place here, I just don't think that the Bengals are headed in the right direction. I admire them and applaud them for doing what they tried to do, which was, like Zim said, it's almost similar to like the John Ross thing, right? They did something. They stepped out of their comfort zone. They went for a coach that they thought was going to be a brilliant new mind. They had all these fresh ideas. They enabled him to get his own staff. They went and renovated Offices and stuff like that. And that's all great. And It's nothing wrong with them doing that because we get the effort. But when it doesn't work out or things don't work out, it's not that you regret that, but you, you can't be too afraid to jump back out there. Same thing with the free agency thing. Yes, you have people that got hurt this season, but that's part of it. But the effort and just the move itself just shows and speaks to the fan base that you're trying things are changing and that you're evolving and i think that that's what made the most sense go ahead you you uh mentioned about the players and stuff
1: right like getting Mm -hmm. some of their players i think now we're two years into the zach i i really don't the the sample draft i really don't hold it too much against that because i know they were doing a lot on the fly but if i had to include that you got two of his two groups of his
0: people right i I mean I'll just say you can't really hold that against him, like you said, because he got there late. His scouts probably got there late. There's no telling what was going on during that draft.
1: But, all right, with that being said, watching the game today, um, you could take this to other games, though. What do you – like, I guess the bigger question, we'll probably have a show for this, like, who are the guys we keep in, who are the guys we don't want, stuff like that. But when you watch this team, like, what is missing? Because for, for years, I kept on saying they don't have impact players. I feel like – uh, Von Bill and run support is a big time impact player. And it's something that I don't, that hasn't flashed across the screen for us watching the Bengals in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse Bates is the best safety that I've ever seen. Like, right. well, the way he's playing this year that I've seen as long as I can remember being a Bengals fan. Mm-hmm. You got guys like Joe Mixon that, you know, are probably coming back off of our hordes One of the, one of the better running backs that we've ever had. Um, you know T Higgins very 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 bright future looks like a potential number 1 for this team right. i'm still i'm still a little bit on the fence of that but potential number 1 for this team you got Tyler Boyd regarded as probably the best slot in the NFL you got right. so much talent around when you watch these games every week or mm-hmm. especially today with these guys like what do you think is the main thing besides the disconnect in the locker room what right. do you feel like is the main disconnect on the on the field of play
0: I think personally, me, when I look at it, it's not a scheme that is that plays to player strengths, right? It's almost like you're t- trying to take something square and put it into a round hole. And I think that they're trying to force it. And when I say that, I say like the scheme, they're kind of trying to force it. You have some players that it works with. You have some players where they're not a fit at all. Um, so I think it's that, but it's not just on the scheme itself. I don't want to just make it seem like the Bengals have this perfect team, and they don't have any flaws, and there's no holes. Obviously, we need some help at the edge rush position. Uh, Obviously, we probably need some more defensive tackles as well. Uh, Obviously, we probably need some more help in the corner position outside of William Jackson III and Mackenzie Alexander. Really like Mackenzie Alexander. I've been talking about that a lot. Like you said, Jesse Bates is good. Von Bell is good enough. Uh, but obviously I think that they have some issues with the offensive line. Uh, obviously, it seems like – I don't know if it's a play-calling thing or if it's a personnel thing. They have a player that can take the top off of the defense. They won't play him. So it seems that they don't even really – outside of the one pass to A.J. Green today, I really didn't see any deep shots. I haven't really seen any deep shots this season, and it just seems like – I don't know. It just, It's just a disconnect.
1: Speaking of the A.J. Green thing,
0: how – how
1: like, I'm at the point that – like everybody listening that is my dog but how how crazy is that to see him like in those jump ball situations just look like a shell of itself like that quick like do you remember anybody that you just seen like from the wide receiver position like I think of like wide receivers like Anquan Bolden that kind of like fell off like kind of quick for me but Mm -hmm. he never was somebody that got really good separation and he never was a big high point person I can't right. think like watching him on that play, he didn't have a chance when the ball was thrown up. But any other year, he would have had mm-hmm. that. You know, like any other year he would have caught that. Right. Also, he had a third down one where he's like he's trying to shield himself and he's so yeah, fearful. He, didn't
0: want to take the hit. he yeah. he's
1: so fearful that somebody's about to hit him that he just flat out drops the ball. Like we've seen AJ Green have drops, but like I know we talk about this probably like weekly now. We we point out a play. Like, how right. crazy is that to see him like go from what I, what I guess in my mind is the greatest wide receiver of Bengal in Bengals history. In my mind, right. uh, to this, and he's just like out there, no catches. Uh, he's I, just I there. Get
0: I get it. I think a lot of people uh, would say that, especially given the stat line. I think they said it was, you know, no receiving touchdowns or something like that in three games. I don't know the stat per se. For me, when I looked at AJ, I did the only one that I could kind of fault him on was the one I think that you were referring to where. He should have had the catch. Yeah, he should have had the catch, but he was kind of worried about the hit and stuff like that. But I I don't know. Like, to me, I think it's almost, and you guys can give me flack for this, I think it's almost a Carlos Dunlap kind of situation. I don't think that they're using him the right way. I don't think that he's being put in a situation for success. Uh, Obviously, I think if that play happens early in the game, if Brandon Allen throws possibly a better ball where he catches that deep one, maybe it's better. But it, it's hard for me to judge right now just with, like, the coaching decisions and stuff like that that are going on. When, I, when
1: I'm watching it live, like, even it was a Higgins catch. Uh Allen elected to go to his second. He went right past his first read. His first read was A.J. Green on a mm-hmm. three-yard curl route. He goes right, right past him and throws it to – it's almost like nobody there, like Burrow included when he was there. It's like nobody even thinks that he could catch it or something. Like, it's so weird – the when, I, when I'm watching him out there, like he's open on a
0: lot of this stuff, but he's like lost all trust with everybody. As crazy as this sounds, and I'm gonna say this, I think the big issue is he had chemistry with Andy Dalton. As much as we didn't like Andy Dalton, as much flack as we gave him, I think that they had better chemistry. And I think that just Bur- even when Burrow was there, I said that I don't feel like they were on the same page. I don't think that. I don't know if we took that for granted. I don't know if he took that for granted that Andy knew where he liked balls place. They knew each other like that. It just doesn't seem like there's that connection. And like you said, maybe it is some people doubting his ability and and stuff like that. I just feel like what's going to happen is this season is going to play out how it does. This situation right now isn't good for him. Uh, You know, statistics wise, we, we know he wants to be great. We know he wants to, end in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if that's here in this system. This is a completely different system. I just don't think – I think it's at the point now where it's just not working. And I think, like, if A.J. Green were to be in an offense with Andy Reid, I don't think we're seeing this. I think if he's in an offense outside of that because that's just the Chiefs, let's just say that he was on, I don't know, the Steelers or something like that. I think he's making catches. I don't think his numbers are the same as what they are right now. And so, to me, I
1: I I, I think that's what it is. I don't know. I don't know, because I'm going to tell you, though, bro, like it's like imagine like think about the sentence that you say. Imagine if you mm-hmm. would have said that like a year ago, like this system doesn't fit A.J. Green. Like, do you know how ridiculous that sounds like A.J. Green is is a straight up dog. Like there is no system that he doesn't work in because right. he, he can run anything. You know what I mean? Like right. it doesn't matter. And it's just like every time he's given an opportunity, like even all like Burrow overthrows him a lot. Or it's it's a lot of the same crap. Like Burrow and his connection was so bad throughout right. the whole thing, and then watching him today, uh, it was Allen tried to go to him a little bit early. You know, like even watching, yeah, them they the went day.
0: to him. They took shots at
1: him. Yep. He, I mean, I think he had three, maybe four targets. I know he had three at one point, but in all of those ones, it's always like an error that AJ Green runs. It's something he does wrong with the route. Or somebody like where you're always guessing, watching the game, like, is that on the quarterback or is that on AJ? But that happens so much that I'm just like, you You mentioned the Chiefs, like, mm-hmm. I, I just think Andy Reid or somebody, like, I, 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 you know, I know you're just using an example. But I think right. Andy Reid or somebody like that probably sees him make those mistakes a couple of times and be like, yeah, like, yeah, we got somebody else that could do it. Like, you know, we got McCole Hardman or we got somebody else that's right. going to do it. Right you know what i'm saying like and 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 that's a drastic scenario like if you went to the chiefs or something but i just don't think that that's how you know you're almost out the league is my point is Mm -hmm. when somebody says like when the coaches say yeah like the 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 trade-off of your potential talent or what you could do to break open a game isn't warranted enough where they don't even that's what happened to john ross essentially it's like we all know he's running faster than everybody but they saw way too many errors to the point where they're like, eh, it's so many errors that you're going to kill all our drives and you're going to kill our offense. And I think we, we'd rather just run this and you just come back and get you later if right. we get a bunch of injuries or something. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel like A.J. Green is almost at that point where he's definitely, he's he's like the third or fourth option because Odd and Tate gets all the jump balls, mm-hmm. uh, Boy gets all the slot, and Higgins is your number one. So. Right. And then when you do give him shots, he doesn't ever, you know what I'm saying? Like, to get that many targets,
0: like, to get four targets in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I he doesn't that. do anything every week. I get that, but neither did Aden Tate. Like, Aden Tate had two targets, too, that he dropped. There was one with, with Tyler Boyd where it hit him in the hands. He probably should have caught that as well. I think, I think, I don't know, for me, I can't say that A.J. Green is done because we can say that about A.J., right? But we never said that about Zach. Like, it had been times where Zach wasn't working. <laughs> right, right, we were yeah. like, we need to hand this off to somebody else. But that they never did, happened.
1: That, they did that to Dunlap. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's finished. He's Zach, finished.
0: Dunlap he got, finished, and now he he's going to tear – and that's it and it's funny that we we talk about this right cuz you said it's AJ Green he could play in any system. And yeah that that's true in some instances. But let's take the Bengals out of it, right? Let's look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They run a system by Bruce Arians that is completely the opposite of what Tom Brady does, right? Tom Brady is not a I'm launching it down the field vertical offense kind of guy. That that's never been his strengths, right? And they put him in this offense that's built for somebody like uh, a Ben Roethlisberger, someone with a strong arm that can get it down the field, someone like uh, Andrew Luck, and it's not working. And at the end of the day, like people can say this and that. They can say, you can go out and sign these perfect players and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, if they do not fit in your system, they are not going to be productive. Like You can take Carlos Dunlap and try to make him a 3-4 linebacker that he's not. He's not right. going to be Carlos Dunlap if he was in a 4-3. And to me, like, I'm not saying that Zach's offense is completely out of it. But I don't think it was as comfortable. I think the most comfortable AJ ever was was in the offense that Jay Gruden and Hugh Jackson ran, which Hugh Jackson just ran a variation with more running of what Jay Gruden did. I think he was more comfortable in that offense. We also saw that with Chad. People were like, oh, Chad just fell off when he went to the Patriots. Nah, it was two different systems. Like, it's a completely different system. And,
1: and he was having trouble picking up the, the, the language and stuff because he had been in a system for like eight years. So the terminology, exactly. like, really, really threw him off.
0: Exactly. So we'll we'll see at the end of the day. Obviously, it might not be here, Um, but I think that 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 plays a role in it. I think that it is somewhat age as well. But when I see him, it's like I can still see A.J. Green. It's like what is going on? It's just like very weird versus let's let's just to keep it in perspective. Let's say Geno Atkins, right? Take where A.J. Green, you can still see something in there with Geno Atkins. It's like you don't know when he's in the game. When he is in the game, I think he had, like, one tackle or something like that. Yeah, one tackle,
1: one pressure. And the one pressure, it wasn't even, like, the deadliest.
0: And they're playing him at a position. Like, they're playing him, like Pac-Man said, at the zero technique, which makes no sense. And then, like, another – just another example, not to give AJ too much bail, but we're still running the cover one with, like, the safety over the top. And you're, like, leaving William Jackson on the island – and guys are just running past them because there's no help over the top. So it's like, I don't know. It's it's just for me because I've seen it in situations, especially with the Bucks. Not that I'm a Bucks fan or anything. I got friends that are Bucks fans, but I remember when they got Revis, right? And they took Revis and they tried to put him in the Tampa two, and it was a disaster because Revis is not a zone corner. He's a man to man. Put me on an island corner, and they tried to say, "All right, we're gonna take." Him in his prime, one of the best corners in the league, and we're gonna put you in this Tampa two outdated Tony Dungy defense, and it was horrible. Like they paid him all of this money, and it just didn't work out.
1: What What does that say about the coaching staff? You think uh, you mentioned William Jackson the third, right? What is mm-hmm. what? Is, what do you think that the regression of William Jackson mm-hmm. to me is another another instance of? I know for a fact this dude has not gotten worse. Like, he is in the right. prime of his career. He's right. about to go on his, his you know, like, his his big contract, you know, at this point. Like, to see him constantly every week get burnt like this, like, he wasn't ever – like, he went up against Antonio Brown the, right. at, at his peak. And, you know, like, now we're just seeing the regression of so many players. And I'm really worried. Like, that's, that's another thing that it's just, like, any other city – like, I, even when I made that comment earlier and I said Zach is like Dalton 2.0, so many people hit me up and it's like, how dare you disrespect Andy Dalton and, like, getting all tough with me on Twitter and stuff. Like, they was going to jump through their computer and their phone and come beat me up for the love of Andy Dalton, right? But <laughs> but this is the thing, though. I never met people that had so much patience with certain people before in my life because I don't know if you guys have just seen me for the first time whatever. And it is just not a better way or whatever. But where I'm at is maybe we move a little bit faster or something like that. And Washington, D.C. or whatever, it, it just would be no patience for right. this for this staff, the head coaching. Like I've watched them run Joe Gibbs out of here, Kirk Cousins, anybody you can name of. Like and this is around a league like you led off with, you know, like Jacksonville and different teams that we feel like we're probably uh, a, a, Bengal feel, a Bengal fan feels like he has a better organization or a better roster than the Jaguars and stuff. But here they are making the proactive moves that I'm saying. And it just puts us at this stagnant pace every year. And I'm just like, what, what, at what point is the ownership or, or, you know, like, I feel like in free agency, they, they did start getting aggressive and I loved it. Even just to go get to Spain's all the, uh, to, to you, you did Dunlap a favor. Cool. But run me Finney, Finny, give me Finny, like, give me something, right? Like the effort is there. And I like that, but they got to get on board with, you know, like making quick decisions as this thing is playing out because we're all seeing this, this, this building just crumble but they're like the last people to make a move on it. And all the regression of these players, it just doesn't even make sense along with the record that wouldn't justify it. So at what point does somebody from the front office just say like, look, enough is enough. We got the wrong guy.
0: Yeah. I I don't know what it takes, man, but they're going to have to definitely do it. And I think uh, what a good coach does. And I mentioned this some shows ago when, and I don't mean to keep bringing this up, um, as an example, but it was like a clear example to me when when he came in because he was good at doing this. and he wasn't even a head coach, but it was when um when it was when Mike Zimmer came in and he took over a, a unit that was near like near the bottom the year before, right? But he brought in all of these players. and the funny thing about it was, He brought in players that had been written off at other places. Right. He brought in Roy Williams. Everybody knew you could throw deep on Roy Williams. He was horrible in coverage and stuff like that. He brought in Terrence Newman, who also would get beat deep and and stuff like that. He brought in Taylor Mays, who wasn't great in coverage either, but he could hit people. Right. And the way that he utilized those guys was so smart. It was like, all right, I'm going to use Roy Williams on the first two downs because he's good at run defense. And he's not good against the pass. So I'm going to take him out on third down. I'm going to put somebody else in that's good at that. I don't think that this this coaching staff does that. They don't say, okay, I'm going to take John Ross and put him in here and run him on the Erickson in the round because that's what he's good at. They don't, they don't do that. And I think er- that that's the issue.
1: Erickson, somebody poses, or no, nobody said this. This was in my head. What do you think? Erickson's got news of Mike Brown? Or does Erickson have news of Zach Taylor or something like on his laptop or something? What is he holding over this staff? Like, what who who is who does he have on the payroll? Like, what what am I missing? Like, people that feel like he's like shore-handed as a punt returner and stuff, he's not. Like, he. must
0: understand why Brandon Wilson, after he ran back a touchdown, is not like the punt returner.
1: I don't understand what Darius Phillips was when he was healthy. You didn't use him in any type of regard. He was the number one punt returner in the league, and you didn't use him at all. Like, like that's the best punt returner that we have on on the roster. They didn't use him at once, especially in tight positions where they would bring in Pac-Man in years past when we talk about Darren Simmons and special teams and stuff like that. He knows how to use your special players like that, how they don't use a special player like Brandon Wilson, Darius Phillips, uh, Shoot, uh, bro, we you could put Geo back there, you know, especially since he before he wasn't, you know, in his in the starting role. Like Geo would be an excellent point returner. Like yeah. how they're not how they don't feel as though to just give those guys a shot to make a play, especially in tight games like that Eagles game where punt back, punt back like in that overtime or whatever. Yeah. Like that could be the difference to break a game, and you're not even doing that. And, and that it just leads me to be like. What is Alex Erickson doing? Like, is he dating like Zach Taylor's
0: daughters or something <laughs> like that? He he's becoming the new uh Brandon Tate. Remember Brandon oh, Tate? We were man. just like, Why do they keep throwing Brandon Tate out there? Whether it was on offense, whether it was on special teams, it was like get him out of there. I think what it is with Alex Erickson, I think, like you're you're saying, there's some kind of relationship there that has to be under the scenes where and I think we kind of heard it. I'm not speaking off of anything that I know. But it seems that this staff, they kind of have their guys. And this, I guess, would be Darren Simmons' territory. I'm not sure if Erickson is one of his guys, but it seems that they have their guys and they're sticking with them. Um, And I think that is probably a relationship between him and Darren Simmons where he's seen Alex Erickson at one point be a guy that was a top punt returner in the league. And he's going through this and he's trying to stay with them. But I think it's sending the wrong message and i think like you said some of that stuff costs you games um so i don't i don't he had, know he had a good one at the end though where you, the the yeah, one he where, did a good one Parker one comes end. up
1: i don't i'm not trying to dog nobody or whatever like i right. i will leave it at this cuz i know we're coming to a close like i just feel like there's so many instances around the board especially when i said i got to watch this game without like any commentary or whatever like i was watching right. on mute right. just so i could see with my own eyes my own opinion and so many guys that are being like underutilized, like the Sean Williams is of the world and he gets used in a special trick play on spell, you know. Like, I mean, watching him in coverage, he's an animal down that joint. Like how they don't have a role for him because I know that he better in coverage against some of those tight ends versus Von Bill and some of the like it's just so much of that around the board that is just it's so it like just had me super frustrated watching the game. And I guess like uh coming out of this. You know, that's the number one thing that I would like to see. It's like them just start for once, just using some of these guys to their maximum strength It elevate people. If you're listening to this thing and you're not watching me on YouTube, me and Ace on, on just a new black uh, podcast on YouTube right now. Uh, the name of my, uh, my, my avatar or my name today is Zim, uh, Zim Zach Lacks. Because Zach Lacks, so many different things that if you are a person that believes in Zach Taylor... Like I'm here to tell you, if he's unable to squeak out any of this stuff now, he's not going to be able to squeak it out when Joe Burrow comes in and you'll be stuck in the same exact spot that you were in the seven and nine Marvin Lewis region. You know what I mean? Like at, right. at best, at best with Zach Taylor. Like we we got two wins, and I just left the game just seeing that. So like even when we talk about like uh, I was going to ask you, like, what are your thoughts, like, next week? Do you have any thoughts? But I, I just want to see them just start to use players in their in their highest potential and maximize their usage. I feel for Carl Lawson. He's double team on every, every, every Even come,
0: Kareem was double team. Even he got like, double-teamed. Like, the, the lack of pass rush is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. So one thing that I saw today that I like that I haven't seen in uh, most of the season is the fact that Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis gafer played a lot. I have we have not seen them play a lot. Um, I am starting to get a, to get a similar feeling with Calipari. There's no reason why he shouldn't be playing more snaps. Uh, obviously, last week he got his first sack. And nothing against Amani Bledsoe, but this guy was an undrafted free agent. You know, I don't know if he's in the plan for next season, but you drafted Khalil Kareem. He's shown flashes. I think at one point, even though I don't mean to just put everything on PFF, he was like in the top five for our defensive players on PFF grade. So you would think with Carlos Dunlap being out of there, he would get more opportunities at that position. We haven't seen that. Um, but I think like you said, getting these players in that we need to see to perform roster evaluations going into the offseason is what I'm looking at. Right, and that's it. I mean,
1: there's some guys I like in run defense. I feel like Covington holds his own. I feel like Mike Daniels plays very well against the run too. Some of those big Gallman uh, runs came when Mike Daniels wasn't on the field. That was something I noted. I had paused it, went back on that a couple of times. So there's, there's, a, there's a lot of guys that I see. But when I look at some of the top coordinators in the league, uh, the, the guy from San Francisco that they love putting the camera on or whatever, like he just gets some of these guys like in their best position. I was watching the Buccaneers game today too. To have two linebackers like with that speed, I feel like Logan Wilson and ADG have that speed, but they don't have those instincts of right. of, De- of Devin White and Levante David or whatever, which is a phenomenal duo. But I, I'm I'm starting to like put them up against other people to be like, okay, this is where we stack up. This is why we've only won two games. So, um, as always, I'm just looking for them to be more productive. Any other closing thoughts that you had before we end this thing
0: tonight? I think looking at this, I think Bengals fans should just be evaluating everything on this roster. Put your own GM hat on. Look at what you see. Look at what these guys can bring to the table. Look at what we do well and what we can do to become a better team in 2021 because we've got Joe Burrow and definitely give Joe Burrow the most support that you can for sure. Um, but I I think that's where we're at with it. We're evaluating this roster. We're evaluating this coaching staff, and we're seeing what's going to happen moving forward, and I think at this point, that's all we can do.
1: That's it. So we leave you with that, people. Enjoy your week coming up, everyone. Don't let the Bengals get you down. <laughs> don't let them get you down. Because <laughs> I tell you what, <laughs> I was watching that game and I just I stepped away a couple times. I'm not even gonna lie to you, and that is so not like me. Stepped away from the game a couple times. So don't let that uh, mess up your whole day or whatever. Make sure you're staying uh, really really close with your loved ones because there's a lot of craziness going on in this world. Uh, I had something else I was gonna ask you, but I guess it wasn't that important day bro.
0: day definitely who day. And stay tuned on Wednesday. We got a special guest interview coming. Uh, I believe it's gonna be eight o'clock on Wednesday. So turn your notifications on. Be sure to subscribe to Zim Huday's YouTube channel. Subscribe to mine at New Stripe City. Uh follow him on Instagram at Zim underscore who uh, follow me at New Stripe City on Instagram and Twitter. Same with Zim at Zim Hude, all one word on Twitter. And we are out. This is the Orange is the New Black Podcast and Houday.
1: Hood. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. Never get too high, never get below, but just keep moving. The the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school.